Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 Gifts, and Be The Star You Are for Teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 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 Do you have a plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, hello, Power Partners. I'm not sure that today is a party. Today is like a cleanup time. That seems like this whole week we've been having all different kinds of weather patterns and our studio in Arizona was flooded with a a big storm, but being the pros they are, they got it back up and running. Heather Brittany was going to be a guest on the show today, but her home uh, is flooded and she's dealing with some issues too. So I will be doing the show for you today. So I'm not sure I really want to party, but I do want to play. So we're going to still have a great time here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. It's brought to the airwaves under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity. And our goal is to increase literacy and to offer you positive media messages so that you can have better and engaging conversations around the dinner table, which we hope that you are uh, being around the dinner table. Well, the Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by our Pear Festival sponsors of Be The Star You Are. The Pear Festival is going to be happening in just a month, and we're so delighted that Three of our sponsors from last year are returning sponsors, so we want to acknowledge them and say thank you to them, and that is Michael Verberga Construction, who he was the contractor when my house flooded a year and a half ago. He took care of that, and he's been a big supporter of Be The Star You Are ever since. MB Jesse Painting uh, also uh, worked with me and he's been, um, he and his company have just done great things. And the La Mirinda Weekly, which is the newspaper that I have now been writing for for 10 years. And how blessed I am that they support Be the Star You Are. The newsletter will be going out this week. So make sure that you check these uh, wonderful individuals out and find out what else is happening at Be the Star You Are. For more information, you can visit at btsya.org and this is appropriately from Oprah Winfrey surround yourself with only people who are going to lift you higher 
And that makes me, you know, want to sing that song, hi, you know, get up there. Well, today's show uh, is uh, going to be all about boomers versus millennial dollars. That's one of the segments that we will be doing. I'm going to be talking about who pays for the wedding when, especially now that millennials and couples are getting married a, a little bit later. So weddings are costing a lot more and our parents still on the hook. So we'll we will uh, talk about who pays for weddings these days. We'll also get into something that I just read recently about the hidden and not-so-hidden racism in children's literature, which is was a little bit surprising to me and obviously something we want to stay away from. And if there's time, I'm going to also talk to you a, a bit about some vaccines uh, Nora, um, that you may want to know about and especially if you're going to be traveling um, to some other countries. So sit back, relax. I hope that you don't have any leaks in your ceiling or winds that are 100 miles an hour and hopefully uh, your family is safe and we can enjoy the show. Well, if any of you ever saw the movie Father of the Bride that was uh, starring Steve Martin, it was really, really funny because the price of an elaborate wedding cake uh, in those days when that movie came out, um, he makes his comment about, my first car didn't cost that much. It was $1,200, which was a lot of money. And the wedding planner, who was Martin Short, and they were such a great combination, kind of snickered back. Well, welcome to the 90s. Well, we're now two decades later, right? And parents are confronted even more with astronomical wedding costs. The national average for a wedding, and this is a national average. I mean, this isn't a California. This is national. So that's kind of, it's a crazy amount, is $35,329. I mean, think about that. The first house I bought was only 50000 So a wedding, the regional averages range from somewhere around 20000 in a rural area to 80000 in East Coast cities. And this is according to uh, 13,000 couples who were surveyed at the wedding website, The Knot, which is like the wedding website. Everybody goes there to find out. So probably good news for parents is that it's no longer the case that parents are automatically expected to pick up the tab. You know, it used to be father of the bride would pick up just about everything um, except for maybe the flowers and and maybe it, they didn't have to pick up the um, the rehearsal dinner but other than that they were required to pick up everything and so it's a it is um, a different time period now fortunately for all of us and there is going to be some different rules so the only rule is we have to do what is financially best for the family and that is kind of a very reassuring um, statement considering how many celebrations have mushroomed into three-day productions and of course everything is always memorable you know it's memorialized on video they put people put things on YouTube and um, very often you know you're putting on the wedding the party afterwards Um, There's usually a rehearsal dinner, 
And then on top of that, a lot of people are doing a breakfast or a lunch or a brunch or something um, that is like the next day. So who pays now? What are what are the kind of the new rules? What's the new things that we're doing? Well, interestingly, because couples are marrying later, the average age for women is 29 and the average age for men is 31. So by then, you probably have a career or you have a job or something. And again, a lot of these statistics are coming from the not. Whereas maybe 30 years ago, 40 years ago, the average age was somewhere between, you know, 19 and maybe 25 that people were getting married. I know that my siblings all were married at 19. And so by the time you were in your 20s, you were definitely, you know, definitely an old maid. Uh, So in those days, that's when, you know, you're just getting out of high school, basically. So parents usually paid. And typically it was the bride's parents that paid. Well, now what is said is that it's kind of 50-50. Not quite. Maybe it's the bride's parents now pay about 44%. The couples pay 42%. And the groom's parents pay 13%. Now, of course, you can always do whatever it is that you want to do. There's no rules that say that you have to do one thing or another. But even within families, the breakdown uh, can vary. I mean, most families want to be equitable. I know when my girlfriend's two sons got married within a year of each other, what she did is she gave them a budget and she said, I'm going to give you each this amount of money. You can do with it what you want. You can have a, a big wedding. You can use it for a down payment on a house. You can use it for whatever. But this is... This is what I'm giving you, and that's the end. So that was kind of a a good way to do it so that each person in the family, it was um, equitable. But when we do some research on the marriages, again, as I said, there really aren't any rules. The wedding costs have gotten just way too out of hand for one pair of of parents, unless you're multi-rich, to pay for everything. I mean, sometimes you could end up paying for years on a credit card. So there's just, uh, and there's a lot of things that go into it. So let's talk about what um, three different people say. So the wedding planners, what they say is they suggest that you set a budget, which is a good idea. And the engaged couple needs to find out who's contributing and how much so that they know their limitations. And then provide a friendly reality check. Couples never, you know, planned a wedding before. So they come in with a binder full of photos and unrealistic expectations. Half the budget will go to the reception alone. So all those enhancements like a photo booth or a cigar rolling station, they can be trimmed. And then you got to pick a sensible date and a location. Now, the priciest weddings are on Saturday night during peak season from April till October. And you can lower the cost by choosing a Friday or a Sunday or even by holding the event in a small town rather than a big city and hosting a brunch or lunch rather than a fancy dinner. So I'm going to take just a really quick break and I'm going to come back and I will tell you what the financial advisor says and what the etiquette expert says. So stay with me. We're talking about who popping the question, who pays, how weddings cost more. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. I'll be right back. Don't go away. The star you
Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. Life is complicated and sometimes we all need a little help, but don't have the time for a full hour-long session or don't know who to turn to. That's where BetterHelp comes into play. With BetterHelp, I can get matched with one of over 2,500 licensed and approved counselors and therapists and get help anytime, anywhere, totally private. For a flat weekly fee starting at $35, I can connect with my counselor via text, chat, video conference, or phone, which is great for me because I'm always on the go. And I can go back to previous sessions whenever I want through my secure account from anywhere in the world. It's a great feeling to know that help is there, affordable, private, and convenient to my schedule. We can all use a little help. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash empowerment and register for free. Try it for seven days without being charged on your credit card and get matched with a licensed counselor usually within 24 hours. Get better help today at betterhelp.com forward slash empowerment. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling out to me. Well, weddings are really show business, and that's for sure. If you're getting married this year or you just recently got married, you know how much work it is. You know how exciting it is, and you know that there's a lot of things that can go wrong, and you just have to keep your cool. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. My name is Cynthia Bryan, and I am the host here. And we're the next two people, we talked about what a wedding planner thinks. So now we're going to talk about what would a financial advisor say? And the question really is, when you pop the question, who pays? Because it used to be the bride's parents paid almost everything. The groom's parents paid almost nothing. And uh, today, couples are sometimes paying all of it, or at least 42%, with parents paying around 44%. And um, uh, I mean, the bride's parents paying 44%. And the groom's parents paying around 13%, and that's according to the not. You can check uh, those stats out if you want. But financial advisors who were uh, contributing to this, 
they had a couple of pieces of really valuable information for the couple. First of all was to avoid borrowing. A financial hangover can truly last for years. And at the same time, if you have a 401k, do not tap into it. It's a big mistake and you could have a possible tax penalty. So if you must borrow, if you have a home equity line of credit, that might be a better way um, because the interest rates are maybe a bit lower now. But if at all possible, avoid borrowing. Only spend what you can afford and don't max out your credit cards so that you're going to be in credit card debt for several years. Give a lump sum gift, but don't give it all at once. Now, this is um, advice perhaps for the, uh, the parents that who might be helping it. Instead of giving them just one check and saying, here, do this, maybe say to the couple, I'm going to dole out some money as the bills come in. So here's a thousand now, here's a thousand now. And that way they're going to be more conscientious of their spending. Now, the next one is say yes to the dress, but be within limits. A budget of $1,000 is reasonable, according to the majority of financial planners. But after that, the bride should pay for the dress. Now, I will say what was really fun. When um, my daughter-in-law got married, we, we were, had a very fun going to look for the bridal dress. And, of course, we went to these salons. And some of the dresses were absolutely glorious. But, you know, they were so expensive, $3,000, $5,000. And, of course, she tried them on. And she's so cute. She paraded around in them. But then she went out and she found a dress off the rack that was in the window that came with a veil. And I think it came with the shoes and the total amount was $100. And so it was just, I'm not going to spend that. And then um, Heather Brittany, when she got married recently, she did kind of a similar thing. She wanted to go and look for a dress, but she found a dress that was actually being discontinued, that was on sale and it was less than 200 I think it was. And um, it was absolutely stunning on her. Stunning. So you can get great things. You just have to look for the bargain. So women, don't, unless you've got a lot of money, you know, don't stress over that dress. And don't uh, say yes to a really expensive one. You do only wear it once. Um, my daughter-in-law puts it on once a year to celebrate their anniversary and dances around in it. But, you know, unless you think that if you have a child or somebody else is going to wear it or unless you're going to sell it, it's just so not worth it. And then um, you want to curtail the guest list battles because, it's very uh, expensive. You can easily, I think the average amount per person now is around $150 per person, but it can easily go up to 250 or more per person. So you're going to need to cut 10, 15, 20 names. You just have to keep cutting until you get the budgeted numbers within reach. And yes, some people will probably be upset, but that's just, you have to expect some of that. And anybody who is really a true friend or family member knows that you have to cut. I always tell any of my friends, who, especially if their kids are getting married or something, is, you know, don't worry about including us. I mean, I know how expensive a wedding is. And, you know, it's really the kids should be having who they want. It doesn't necessarily have to be the friends of the parents. Now, the etiquette expert 
So um, this is Lisa, uh, Lizzie Post. She is the great-great-granddaughter of Emily Post, and she's co-author of Emily Post's Etiquette, the 19th edition. And she has some tips for preventing those family rifts, which can happen. And again, we have to be clear about the money. So be clear on any money stipulations. If there are any expectations that come with the parents' contributions, they should let the couple know because that way the couple can reject the money if they do not want the expectations. And I really don't think that if you ever, if you're giving a gift, there should be no strings attached. And if it's not a gift, then um, then that has to be up front because Nobody wants to feel indebted to somebody else, especially if it's an unwanted indebtedness. And again, getting back to what I said earlier, it was remember whose wedding it is. We have to let, as parents, we have to let the, the couple dictate the list. Now, the couple need to consider who could be on the list if, if parents will be hurt professionally, for example, if colleagues aren't invited. But it is important that it is the friends of the couple. I remember at one of the weddings, you know, we're from a huge family, a big Italian family. And if I were to invite all my cousins, just first cousins and aunts and uncles um, and their spouses, it would be well over a couple hundred people just for cousins and that's not counting second cousins or third cousins because then we get into the 800 900 thousand mark right but so when our kids got married it was really tough because you're you're close to your relatives and everybody is excited for you and you want to include everybody but you really can't so we decided to limit it to aunts and uncles and that was just the way that the invitations went out. And um, hopefully everybody understands. And that's the key is that we just have to learn to understand that not everybody is going to be able to be invited. Now, make conversations candid but caring. Again, just because it is a huge moment in your life, there are going to be tense times. I mean, it's a wedding and emotions tend to run high and run amok. But there's nothing worse than a bridezilla or somebody who, you know, is just running the show and being mean to everyone. So we have to try to keep a positive tone in your voice and convey that the other person's opinions and feelings are important. And then the final thing is if you're having it at a venue where they've done many weddings before, really listen to advice because these people who have put on weddings in the past, whether it is at a, um, you know, at a hall or a country club or a private villa or a winery or whatever, if it's a catering company, if someone has put on a wedding before, they really do know the ins and the outs and they really do know what, what are, can happen, the good, the bad and the ugly. So listen to them and take some of their advice. And I think then you're going to be in much better shape and you'll feel you'll feel happier and you'll be able to let go. And then that's another thing just to remember is 
It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be fun and it has to be memorable. And it really is all about the love and the conjoining of two families. So keep keep the emotions in check. Keep the negative emotions in check and let the positive feelings flow. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. When we come back, we're going to talk about millennials and baby boomers and who is the ideal target market for vendors to try to sell their goods to. We'll be right back. Don't go away. You're listening live on the Voice America Network, the Empowerment Channel. Be the star you are. The star you Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Be the star you are. The star you are. The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. Bethestarur.org. Dare to care. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAE639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save $20 today with coupon code VAE639 at Freshly.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling out to me. Well, I hope that you're looking at all the possibilities for everything that you want to achieve in life. Just remember, when you have a passion, 
you'll have a purpose and then the possibilities will open up. Well, thank you for listening to me. I am Cynthia Bryan and we're going to talk a little bit about millennials and baby boomers and spending habits and why marketers should be putting more of their promotions towards millennials at the moment. Now, if you've been listening to the program for a while here on Voice America Network, our star style, Be The Star You Are, or been listening to our Express Yourself, you might have heard that Be The Star You Are uh, is going to be publishing its third book, Be The Star You Are for Millennials. And there is about 35 millennials that are contributing to the book, most of whom are volunteers or donors or radio reporters there's something uh, to do with be the star you are and it's been such a pleasure to be working on this book and writing it and editing it and all of this and it's interesting for me to write this one and to write chapters coming from a boomer uh, point of view so we're going to talk about that. Now, first of all, you might be saying, who are the baby boomers? What are the different generations? Now, everything is between a few years, remember. No matter where you look, it seems that the generations, the timeline changes a little bit. Now, baby boomers is pretty solid. They say that baby boomers were born between 1946 and 1964. And then there was Generation X that's born between 1965 and 1979. They kind of got left in the middle there. And then the millennials, or sometimes they're called um, Generation Z, 1980 to around 2004. But that can change too. Some um, some places you'll look will say that they're only till to you know till 2000. Others will say to 2002. But for our purposes, we're going to be talking about it for 2004. So as we know, there's a lot of buzz about millennials. It's one of the reasons that we're writing a book about millennials. And a lot of people are talking, how do you market to them? And marketers often tell you that to appeal to millennials, you have to get on Snapshot, uh, uh, Snapshot Snapchat and Instagram and all the other popular social uh, networks. But you need to learn how to create a video, too, right? That's going to go viral. I mean, these are things that they say you have to do. If you want to market to millennials, you have to make sure you've got enough of a balance of the ordinary and the extraordinary and the messages you try to deliver. And you can't forget to make remarks about making a real difference in the world. While as marketers, what do they do? They find all of this a little bit exhausting because what they've been doing is crafting the majority of the messages to um, to baby boomers and not to millennials because there were 74.9 million baby boomers, the biggest amount of a population in history, and they wanted them to buy the products that they sold. However, what has happened the millennials have now surpassed the number of baby boomers. As of now, there are 75.4 million millennials today and that are between like the ages of 18 and 36. And the difference between the millennials and the baby boomers is small. So marketing to millennials can feel crazed and it means really high energy, quickly consumable, some frenzied marketing because there's a fear of missing out. Now, baby boomers 
again, born between 46 and 64, they're a little bit more patient about learning all about the market. And it's true that no company can focus on just one generation. You've got to have a strategy that appeals to everyone on some level, and that's why targeting is so important. I was listening to NPR yesterday. I really love NPR. I hope that you do, too. And they, we were doing a show that was quite interesting, and they were talking about marketing, and they were actually giving examples of some test commercials that are being done now where the product is not center-focused. It's not the hero. All the years when I was doing a lot of commercials, the one thing that was always clear to you as an actor is you are not the star of the commercial. The product is. It's called the hero. But what they're finding, especially in marketing to millennials, is that you can't put the product front and center and make the product the solution to everything. The product has to be just about the conversation. And they uh, were talking about the, the, the uh, Pepsi ad. I think that commercial only ran for less than a week where Kylie Jenner was in it and how she was marching and then she turns around and gives a Pepsi to a police officer and everybody smiles and everybody's happy. Well, that didn't fly at all because it was making Pepsi the star, making Pepsi the solution to our um, problems of the world, and that's not what's going on. There are some new commercials that are coming out that are really really going after um, gender and race in a very, very ethical, kind, empathetic way where they're just a conversation. And it might be a conversation that's over a particular beer. It might be over a Heineken beer, but but the beer isn't the hero. So it's interesting. That's the difference between the boomers and the millennials, the millennials want a lesson in living, whereas the boomers were just like, show me the product. Let's let, just show it to me. Let me find the best price and we'll go for it. So when it comes to the demographic that's over 50, only 10% of marketing budgets are being used right now to reach that generation. And why is it the case? Why such low marketing expenditure on a generation which is actually um, has more money than the next ones? Well, a lot of the young, the advertising agencies now, they're all staffed by young people, mostly millennials. And, of course, people think the boomer generation is boring. They're not sexy. They're getting older. They're set in their ways. They're not tech savvy. Why even bother? And, of course, the boomer generation think that they were the greatest generation ever. They had, you know, Woodstock. There was Studio 54. All the great music that everybody's still listening to today, you know, started back in the 60s and the 70s. And uh, those rockers are still going. A lot of uh, great films. There was a lot of change during that, the boomers' lives. So the boomers think that they're worthwhile. Well, 
The boomer generation is probably the hottest age-defined marketing segment that you can tap into right now. And the reason for that is most of the, or you know, you shouldn't say most, but baby boomers do have money. Millennials probably have surpassed the boomers in numbers, but more than 70% of the disposable income in the United States is going to come from baby boomers. And the baby boomers are actually spending it. They are spending $3.2 trillion every year. Yes, that is trillion with a T, and that's just in the United States. That's not worldwide. And if you want to know who's going to go through with the credit card purchase online, you could probably bet it's going to be baby boomers. Now, millennials, they might have some money, but they're not going to have a lot of money. They're still just starting out, unless they're a startup and, you know, they're a Mark Zuckerberg kind of person where they already have their billions. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of tech guys uh, that are. They're very young and in their 20s, and they are definitely very rich. But let's look at the generational breakdown. And when I say tech guys, I should say tech guys and gals, uh, both men and women. I don't want to put any stereotype here that um, that there's only going to be one sex that's going to make more money because anybody can do it. I think that as we see literally on a daily basis of how ceilings are being broken, as they should be, and how uh, women really have um, have really taken a role in just wanting to be independent and earn their own living, which is really a very positive thing. So who has the biggest net worth and who has the biggest total income? The answer to that, or to both questions, is actually boomers and boomers. So we can get the millennials energized and exciting and excited, but at the end of the day, They don't have the collective power to turn that energy into money for the business person or whoever it is that is uh, being entrepreneurial. Baby boomers are on social media big time, even though people may not think they are. It's a really big misconception that baby boomers are just old and traditional and they don't use social media. Now, obviously, there's a lot of people you're going to meet that are like that, but A full 50% of individuals age 50 to 64 are on social media and the most um, people in that age range are actually on Facebook. So they don't really have to have Snapchat or they don't have to have Instagram because they're really getting the word out on Facebook. Now, the largest audience to date on social media is on Facebook. And that's where the most baby boomers are. In fact, they are the biggest users of Facebook. But what do they do on social media? Well, it is kind of interesting because they're watching. They are are connecting with one another. They may not be starting a new business, but they're reading the news feeds. They're taking it a step further. They're looking at the advertisements. They might even be um, actually buying the things where they're clicking on, on the ads that are coming up. And social media is all about engagement. And so baby boomers are incredibly likely sources of engagements because they would like to uh, make purchases that are going to improve their lifestyle. They're taking trips. They're doing cruises. 
Um, they're going to concerts. All you have to think about is that big, big, big concert that last year happened. Um, desert, what was it? Desert something, desert whatever. I didn't go to it, but um, Heather did go to it. And you know whether it was Bob Dylan and The Who and uh, Paul McCartney and a plethora of other what you would call uh, aging baby boomer superstars in the music industry and it was completely sold out and they had to add another weekend and now they're doing it again this October because guess who went baby boomers they really really loved it so they're very much into um, to to buying things and to having these new kinds of experiences and everybody doesn't matter who you are whether you're a millennial a gen xer or, um, or you are, you know, maybe you are one of the people that is, was called a maturist. That was pre-1945, where they had to um, have wartime rationing. A lot of the baby boomers, well, actually, the baby boomers' parents were all of that. Everybody wants to have fun. But baby boomers, more than any other generation, have the money and the time to spend on all of these amenities, on the entertainment, on recreation. And so if you appeal to those aspirations, you're going to be speaking to them in a way that resonates with them. I don't know the statistics on this, but and I haven't seen the production Hamilton. But when it came to San Francisco, tickets were going for like twelve hundred dollars. I tried to play the lottery where um, you would, you know, they picked like five people a day who would be able to get a ten dollars seat. I never won, <laughs> but it was a good, it was great fun trying. But who are those people that are paying, you know, a thousand dollars, twelve hundred dollars to see? A musical that is um, that's kind of a rap musical just based on history. Well, the majority again were the boomers. So if you can market your products to boomers and grab their attention, you can go for their value of education, loyalty, authenticity, and any kind of content or product that is going to fulfill a goal for them is going to be of interest to them. So that's sort of something um, that would be good. Also, baby boomers are grandparents or becoming grandparents. And so they're now setting up funds for grandchildren. They're buying things for their grandchildren. They're buying a lot of health and well-being apparatus. So that's a big buyer percentage for the baby boomers. Also, um, in that same light, as they become grandparents, they become, many of them become primary caregivers for their grandchildren, and as a lot of the young parents might be pursuing their careers, and the grandparents use their retirement to provide care for their grandkids, and then they take their grandkids shopping, and they take do school activities and field trips and all those things, so that's another targeting, uh, advertising opportunity. Boomers are also active online shoppers. Uh, They're very interested in saving money. It's probably kind of a step over from the post-World War II days when people didn't have enough. And so it kind of got in into the psyche of them to save, save, save. So besides shopping, they're doing things online that make their life easier. And so Investment bankers, for example, are trying to convert them with the help of online investing advice. 
And that's a good thing because that would be a win-win to get them on there. And so many of the boomers, especially ones I know, they are tech savvy. And they will buy things online or at a department store, um, but they're not afraid of online shopping. In fact, 66 of people over 50 in the United States routinely make purchases at online retailers. And as far as email goes, they are really into it. Where millennials are more about text, most likely. And in fact, I can say that from working with my teens on Express Yourself, when I have to send out a group email, when I have group you know, things that I have to tell people. But unfortunately, maybe out of 35 hosts and reporters, maybe three will respond. But if I send a text to each of them, they respond immediately. But they're rarely looking at their emails. And it makes me so frustrated because I cannot write everything I need to write in a text. <laughs> now, there's something called eMarketer. And what it says is the majority of baby boomers now own smartphones. And they're not uh, using their smartphones as a glorified landline. They're actually using them to shop, to research, and to do just some purchasing on their own. And they do uh, respond to very hip advertising styles. And you again, it takes us back. You have to remember that they're the Woodstock generation. They've grown up, and most of them have become responsible, although you can go to a lot of cities, especially beach cities, and a lot even in, you know, um, in resort, like uh, ski resorts, and you will see, um, you will see kind of just aging hippies, but what they like to purchase is sort of hip clothing, so they want to respond to hip advertising, and a loyalty and a sense of well-being are important to them when they choose the companies that they're going to give their money to. So you can awaken their nostalgia with kind of a throwback photo every now and then of what it was like to live in that boomer generation. So in conclusion here, when we're talking about uh, purchasing and marketing between baby boomers and millennials, we have to remember that as a whole, the baby boomers were always very hard-working people, and they're prone to spending their money and learning new things, and they want to be informed about what's going on in the world. They want to interact with the brands in a personal way. They want uh, the brands to help them when they're troubleshooting, and they want to be able to count on somebody that uh, a, a good product is going to be delivered when when it said that they will. And they're also willing to wait for messages and communication much longer than millennials. They're not going to tolerate being ignored, though. And so you can't expect, um, you can't expect to constantly um, put them off. You really do have to interact with them. So when you know these characteristics about baby boomers, you have the power in your marketing hands to tweak your message and appeal to this very large group of 74 million people. And you don't want to fall into the trap of just appealing to millennials with every message. Maybe mix it up. Mix it up and appeal to both. The boomers make up a population that is almost the same as millennials. They're active on social media. They're active on mobile applications. So whatever product or service that you are selling, 
Ask yourself, would a baby boomer be interested? If not, go for the other generations. But don't underestimate that power of the baby boomers. There are very few products or services that a baby boomer wouldn't be interested in. So tweak your message and target your ads and then see what happens. And hopefully you will really have um, have some great success with with the baby boomers as well as with the millennials because they are the ones that are coming up and as the baby boomers age out, well, that's where we're going to go. So I told you I was going to um, talk a little bit about if I had time and it looks like I have a few minutes so I'm going to go into it. I was reading and I've cut this out so I think this is time. Yes, this is the recent issue of Time Magazine, August 7th issue. And because we're a literacy charity, I I just kind of focused on this and I was so fascinated. And this was in their book section. And it talked about the hidden and not so hidden racism in kids' literature. And I never really thought about it. So one of them that they talked about was the cat in the hat. And they said that Dr. Zeus was a complicated figure and many of his books promoted tolerance, like Horton Where Here's a Who. But others descended into racial stereotyping, like characters who wear their eyes at a slant in If I Ran the Zoo. But there's a lot of um, conflict now with his famous cat in the hat, because they're wondering if it took partial inspiration from the minstrels. And if you look at the white gloves and the extravagant top hat, it's been asked, is was the cat in the hat? originally fashioned after a black character. So what it was saying is that when we revisit a children's favorite um, book, you know, we have a real emotional punch. And for many mothers and fathers sharing their books, their kids read to them with their own kids. And decades later, it's one of the highlights of their early years. But oftentimes stories and illustrations that seem benign in one era become problematic as social mores change. And We do see that, I think, all the time. So an English professor at Kansas State University, his name was Philip Nell, probed racism in kids' kids books in his classes and in previous books. And he uses um, a new book that he's written that's called Was the Cat in the Hat Black? The Hidden Racism of Children's Literature to highlight how dozens of beloved picture and chapter books leave negative messages in children's minds. But, you know, none of us want to admit to enjoying something or liking something that perpetuates a racial stereotype. But we do because a book can be beautiful and it can be racist. A book can be classic and it can be racist. A book can be really pleasurable, but it can also be racist. So one instance, and this is his personal favorite that he talks about, is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which, I mean, almost every kid loves it. And he has a really big problem with the Oompa Loompas. He says the characters, which were depicted in early editions as African pygmies, are portrayed as happy slaves, content to leave their native land behind and toil in a factory. So just that, especially for children who are descendants of slaves, such a message can really have a negative effect on how they interpret their value in the world. So the question that Time asks is, so should parents abstain from reading offensive classics to their children? 
And his response, and this is the professor, Philip Nail, his response was, I would respect the parent who made that choice. But on the other hand, there's also a reason to read them, to read to them with children, because racism exists in the world, and children are going to encounter it. And a safer way to learn how to encounter it is actually through fiction. So if you're reading a racist children's book with a child, you can help them read it critically, and you can help them learn that it's okay to be angry at a book. And I thought that was really quite um, quite brilliant. And some of the other books that he profiled that I would have never, ever thought about was uh, one of them was one of my favorites, The Story of Babar. And, you know, this is a French book. He was a French elephant. And I used to read it in French to my kids because I read it in French when I was little and I just really loved it. So, but what Babar presents is colonialism as being benign. And Babar, Babar becomes a very civilized elephant. And when he goes back to his people, he is respected because he's become more European. That's rather interesting, isn't it? And what about Little House on the Prairie? So that one, you know, Laura um, Ingle Wilder's very famous book, they're super racist in the way that they present Native Americans. So um, what they say in the book is that the, the Indians, they need to be removed from the lands. They're dehumanized when they're even mentioned. And that line that has become well-known, the only good Indian is a dead Indian, that is in that book. I didn't even know, realize that it was in that book. Another one that I wouldn't have ever thought of, because I just think of it as a fun book. This was Astrid Lindgren's Pippi Longstocking. Well, and books can both have virtues and sins, because Pippi Longstocking is such a spunky role model for young girls, but her father travels to the South Seas, and he becomes king of the Negroes, or in the American edition since the 1950s, he was called king of the cannibals. So here are some tips for reading lessons. And this is a tip for talking to your children about problematic books. Add the history lesson. If you're reading racist children's books with children, they have to be read in context. So if it's a book about slavery, explain the history in an age-appropriate way. And then ask critical questions. For instance, would it be fun to be shipped to England in a packing crate? And what would it be like to live in a factory and work all the time? And then point out any missing perspectives, such as you could ask, whose point of view do you think this story favors? And who is it not favoring? And I think with those tools, you're going to be armed with some positivity that will help you speak to your children with a little bit more diplomacy as well as uh, showing them the classic books, but also illustrating the eras and the times in which they were written and the mores and the social mores and the virtues in which they were thought about and how things have changed and the way that we have to look at things today. Well, that is our show for today. I'm so glad that you were able to join us. I hope that you learned a little bit about the the money power between millennials and boomers and also about weddings if you're planning one and you can't feel guilty 
about what you're going to spend, but just try to be budget conscious, as well as the hidden and not so hidden racism in children's literature. So make sure to be tuned in every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific right here on Star Style Be the Star You Are, brought to you uh, by the charity Be the Star You Are. Visit that charity, be the star you are.org. And of course, we are always live right here on the Voice America Network, and it is the Empowerment Channel. My new book, Growing, should be out very soon. Please visit CynthiaBryan.com, and you can go to the store or the book section to check it out. If you want to make a donation, again, visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. Thank you to our sponsors of uh, MB Jesse Painting, Michael Verbrugge Construction, and the La Mirinda Weekly for sponsoring the Pear Festival. And if you would like to get on board and be a sponsor, please send me an email, Cynthia at CynthiaBrian.com. And that's Cynthia, uh, uh, that's Brian with an I, B R I A N. Well, this is the end of our show. So until next week when we celebrate once again, remember that love always wins. Kindness always prevails, and smiles keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you to be the star you are. Have a great week. Thanks for joining me. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are.